and you read Stephen King, 1,500 words per day. Yep. And 9 a.m., he says the dreaming yep. starts when, you know, have you read the book on writing? It's a really, yeah, he talks amazing. about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Valerie Koo from the Australian Writers' Centre and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey there, Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com here. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is on copywriting and it was an epic episode that went for almost an hour and a half. So I've broken it into three bite-sized chunks. This is the first of three parts and it's with a prolific copywriter who has studied directly with the great Gary Halbert for several years. He shares some of his most valuable tips around copywriting, content, and online business. If you enjoy this episode on copywriting, you would definitely want to check out a few other ones that I think you'll really enjoy. Episode three with John Morrow, where he talks a lot about how to use blogging to build a highly successful business, but he also touches on some very important copywriting concepts. Episode number nine with Kevin Rogers, the comedian turned copywriter. That was pretty hilarious. That was called Blind Man Driving. And then episode number 61, when I had Kevin Rogers back on the show, where we talked about why attention is a new currency, another great episode on some copywriting hacks. You also want to check out episode number 47 with Demian Farnworth from Copyblogger, where we talked about web copywriting and how to create content on your website to maximize your conversions. In other words, to turn your website browsers into repeat customers. And if you want to check out any of the show notes for any of these episodes, just go to ProductiveInsights.com and type in the name of the guest and it should bring up the episode. So if you're looking for the Kevin Rogers episodes, just go to ProductiveInsights.com and then in the search bar, type in Kevin Rogers and it should bring up all the episodes with Kevin. Alternatively, you can just type in ProductiveInsights.com Kevin Rogers into Google and that should bring it up too. If you want to access this whole interview, including all the show notes on the Productive Insights podcast, just head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash Ed hyphen Dale, that's spelled E-D hyphen D-A-L-E. And just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. And now here's part one of the three-part series. Enjoy. Our guest today is the creator of The Challenge and the co-founder of MagCast. Over the past 10 years, he's helped over 300,000 people worldwide get started online through The Challenge program. That's a lot of people. He taught people how to start an online business in 30 days. I recently had the honor of meeting him at Superfast Business Live and actually had the honor of even sharing the stage with him where he spoke about copywriting and about his incredible journey, which included working with the legendary Gary Halbert. He's worked directly with Gary Halbert for several years. He's a master copywriter and believes nothing compares to the awesome feeling of helping others make it, quit their jobs and build a successful business. I'm delighted to welcome 
Ed Dale, the founder of eddale.co. Welcome, Ed. Thanks, Ash. It's awesome to be here and uh, can't wait to uh, discuss anything that you want to discuss, although my advice on athletics... investment, and any legal matters should be treated with skepticism. <laughs> but given the guitar that you've got there in the background, I think uh, maybe we can uh, talk about uh, playing guitar. We could certainly do that, ukulele or a uh, synthesizer, no problem whatsoever. <laughs> awesome. All right, so Ed, we're here to talk mainly about copywriting today, but I want to talk about copywriting and how it fits into the buyer's journey. Uh, in fact, I touched on that in my conversation with Joe Polizzi, the founder of the Content Marketing Institute recently. And, you know, I really loved what you said at Superfast Business Live, where you talked about, you know, the information overload that we are exposed to these days and the paradox of choice we have with information. And yet, a lot of us, and I'm guilty of this too, tend to do copywriting or create messaging that is very generalized and isn't targeted to our listeners, to our audience. So mm. could you share some more of your wisdom around that? Yeah, I mean, it is literally terrifying. I was reading Kevin Kelly's latest book, and there was a chapter on just the amount of content that is created each year. And it's literally mind-boggling. You know, it's in the billions and billions. And it, it gets a bit, uh, you know, you get a bit sad. You, know, you want to be on the fetal position here yeah. in the office. When you think about, oh my goodness, of all the things people could be doing right now, they're actually listening to you and I for a minute, yes. which is just amazing. And thank you. It's by an the way, honor. Yeah. If you are, you know, and in the old days of the internet, it used to be, oh, there's so much rubbish. We need to sort of filter away all that stuff to find the things that are really good. Yeah. Now our problem is there's so much awesome stuff on there that we'd love to get to, but we can't even get to all the awesome stuff. So that does mean from a copywriting perspective, you know, what's our superpower? You know, we can't reach everybody. In theory, we can reach everybody. You, you know, the yes, you can put a YouTube video. And in theory, that is something that is quite possible for you to be able to do. But anything else, you know, but the reality is not everybody's going to see it. Not even your favorite fans are going to see it, right? Yeah. You know, and Facebook faces this problem every day, you know, with its news feed. You know, hey, yes, put on your live video, put on your information on your pages, but only a tiny percentage of your fans or your audience are going to see that at any one time. And it's not that necessarily Facebook are being evil. It's just mathematics. They can't show as much stuff as you've liked in the feed. So what does that mean? That means that when we have somebody's attention, we better address directly the issues that concern them. And I find, and I mentioned at James' talk, that if you cut away everything, it really comes down to three very simple things. Yep. What are their pains? What are their gains? And what are the jobs to be done? Uh-huh. You know, so when your market, what are pains? You know, anytime in your market, people saying, you know, they're in a forum or they're on Reddit or they're on a, your Facebook page and their sentence starts off with something like, oh, I hate it when, oh, it's so annoying. Oh, I just, it, this really annoys me. What are they saying? They're talking about their pains. Uh-huh. Okay. And as always, you know, we will, we're motivated by pain 
we're motivated, in fact, to be very specific, we're motivated to get out of pain. You know, we uh-huh. know uh, copywriting and a psychological perspective, we're motivated to get out of pain. But that's one part of the process. There are also gains. Oh, I wish I could do this. Oh, you know, imagine if I could live there. Or what are you hearing there? You're hearing about gains. You're hearing about destinations, where people want to get to. So if you can be helpful in showing people the path to get where they need to go, that is extremely powerful. If you can show them how to get out of pain, that is extremely powerful. And the third one, which is, I suppose, the slightly unusual one, and this was developed by a guy called Clayton Christensen, who uh, a lot of people have heard disruption theory. Uh And you all had to, you know, I had to study quite a few books on the shelf back there are about disruption theory. You don't have to study any of that stuff these days. But jobs to be done, Simply represent, how do I do this? Like, huh. what are the steps? How do I publish a podcast? Huh. How do I do a live YouTube video? These are all how do I grip this putter so huh. I can sink more parts. Huh. That is jobs to be done. Huh. And that's it, right? That's it. When you think about it, that is all the things. So if you are in a particular niche or a market serving a particular market or a niche, if your communications address and only address one of those three things or a couple of those things, then you are halfway there because, you know, as much as we would love to kick back and just consume all the information, unless it is speaking directly to me, I have to filter it out because it's just so much stuff literally seeing every single day. You know, I joke that my daughter's year nine uh, high school class probably produces more social media in a lesson where they should be studying than probably (laughs) all the messages sent in 2004, right? (laughs) It's unbelievable, you know. So that to me, Ash, is I suppose the core of this. And I think, you know, People think copywriting is about selling. And yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It's about selling. Unfortunately, I think for a lot of businesses, a lot of people, a lot of bloggers, a lot of podcasters, there's this taint with selling, hmm. right? People, hmm. It's evil to sell and we use tricks to sell. That's That went out with neck to knee lead gumboots because <laughs> thanks, to, you know, thanks to social media, yeah. right, if you scam somebody or hmm. you trick somebody, you're out of business. Yep. You might get away with it once, but you're out of business. Yep. So to me, copywriting and selling is about serving. How do you serve people? Don't be afraid to ask for money in return mm. for those products and services. Mm. But if you help people out, if you help them out of pain, mm. you know, if you provide a pain reliever, as they call it, or you can have a gain creator, something, an engine which gets them where they need to go, that is of real value, mm. right? That is something that's of supreme value that people can absolutely utilize. Look, mate, you made some really great points, and I just want to bring a couple of them out in what you said. You were talking about attention, and it just reminded me of when I spoke to Kevin Rogers not long ago, who's another copywriter, and I said to him, you know, attention is a new currency. And I actually thought that was I was the first person who came up with that term, but then I looked it up and somebody else had come up with it. But attention is the new currency in today's information overloaded environment, which I talk about a lot. So I absolutely agree. It is so important to understand your audience. And I try really hard to understand my audience, but 
I think I can never try hard enough. You can always do more. You can always try and research more. And just for the listeners out there, a couple of quick tips. If you want to really try and understand your audience, you want to find out you know, who is listening to your show and you don't have many people on your podcast, say, or if, you, uh, if you're a writer and you haven't written a book yet, then go to Amazon and look at other books in that niche. Do a search on, say you're writing about productivity, do a search on productivity and look at the reviews in Amazon. Look at the top reviews and look at the, the worst reviews and that will answer the questions that uh, Ed is talking about in terms of the pains and gains. So the crappiest reviews will talk about the pains, like this book was awful because it didn't address my problem, which is blah, blah, blah. Or this book was awesome because it solved my problem, which is blah, blah, blah. And so that's a great one great tool. Another one, of course, is Google. But Google is probably not as informative and it doesn't provide the languaging that often your audience will be expressing in reviews. Another great place to look is something like udemy.com where people are you know, reviewing courses that are relevant in your niche as well. So that's uh, something I thought would be a good little tactical takeaway, an action step that people could take away to act on what great advice you've just given. The other point you made was about brand. And you talked about if you scam somebody today on people will know in social media in no time. And Warren Buffett, who I'm a big fan of, talks about this sort of stuff. He says, you know, I would rather lose money, but I don't want to lose a shred of reputation. And he had this view like for the last 40 years, but today that is more relevant than ever before. And Neil Patel and I talked about this a lot in episode one, when we first launched the podcast, we talked about brand and the importance of protecting your brand. And I so agree with you, Ed, it is more important today than ever before to protect your brand. And the best way to do that is understand your audience and don't deliver crap. Uh, I think that here's the news. Guess what? 30% of your audience will hate you. Yes. Right? So, you know, you're not going to please everybody. And that's hard, right? As a content producer, that's hard not to take personally. I mean, we know we have to train ourselves not to, but it's hard not to. Oh, I, I still want to t- find out where a person lives and take a baseball bat <laughs> when I see something that's unfair written about me. Yeah. But here's the deal, right? Even Mother Teresa had enemies, right? The Bangladeshi government hated her. The English government hated her. The doctors who treated her for her condition in the United States hated her because she was a demanding, angry old woman, Yeah. right? But... You know, everybody has that. You, until you put your head above the parapet, you know, when you say protecting your brand is everything, you've also got to – there's a couple of things you need to do, though. You need to really understand and see where that criticism is coming from. Good because point. if it's coming from an anonymous person on your YouTube channel – yes. Or it's an angry 12-year-old from, you know, who's still living at home with mum and taking a break from Clash of Clans. You know, <laughs> you can pretty much ignore that stuff, right? That is and such a good point. You know, it's not treating your brand. And as you get, you know, you will attract criticism. You will attract jealousy. You'll attract all these sorts of things. And part of what's been particularly hard about that transition is, for a start, probably the first time for a lot of people they've actually been exposed too harsh criticism, unfair mm-hmm. criticism before, mm-hmm. because it's very hard to be criti- harshly critical of somebody. Of course, we all had bullies or whatever it happened to be at school, but you can compartmentalize that. Whereas if, a, inverted commas, a random stranger criticizes mm-hmm. you, you've got to weigh that up, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I see people bending over backwards and it's just not worth it. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to choose who you speak to and who you do not speak to, right? That. That is, and who you listen to and who you don't listen to. Mm. You know, if I see, you know, our mutual friend, James Shranko, if I see him being critical of something that I've 
done or said, I will take absolute notice of that, Hmm. right? Because I respect him. I know him, Hmm. right? He's a colleague. And so I get that, right? Hmm. Whereas if it's a nono person who doesn't even have the guts to, you know, put a profile picture or a real name and address, you know, that's why I, I like Facebook comments a lot more than just normal comments because, you know, when somebody criticizes me on Facebook, they put a name and a face to yes, it. Yes, yes. And, and I respect that, mm. right? That's, you know, so if they feel feel like there is something legitimate to that, and I really appreciate that far more. But you can't please everybody. If you were to try please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. Mm. You know, Gary Halbert, to bring him into the conversation, he says, would you rather, uh, you know, sleep with the dogs or run with the foxes? <laughs> and that was a way of saying, look, you know, Deliver to your audience. Understand who your audience is. And Mm. like we said, that is absolutely what are their pains, what are their gains, what are the jobs to be done. Focus on that. Understand that there will be plenty of people who disagree with you, plenty of people will be jealous with you and so on. But if you focus on, to me, that's what protects your brand. Right. Right. Is your consistency in delivering to that market and serving that market. It's the only deal you need to worry about because everything else is out of your control. Consistency. That is such a big one. You can't you can't control what people think of you. It's a chemical reaction that occurs inside of people's heads. You don't know what their backgrounds are. Mm. You don't know that. But where I think it is incumbent upon you, and unfortunately, I don't think enough people take enough time, and actually we can bring this back to something that's very practical, is in the old days, you know, our there's to me there's only six focus points in business. And focus point number one. Mm-hmm. is market understanding. You need to understand your market, right? Yep. That's the first step. Nothing, you cannot, do not go past go, do not collect $200 until you do. Now, what market understand, when I started the challenge out over a decade ago, the first part of the, the challenge was all about just testing to see if there was a market for your product online, right? Because there were many markets where people just weren't online. That's not an issue. Use Flash, spoiler alert to anybody watching this. Whatever crazy concept for a market that you have, guess what? There are a thousand people on this planet who are interested in it, you know, because we found people would copy whatever. If we mentioned a market, yeah. everybody just do that market, which is a bit crazy. So we made up in the early days of the challenge, underwater kickboxing. Because <laughs> That's is, I remember you talking about this. This is, this is stupid, right? Nobody can do that. Google it. There is such a – they use now underwater kickboxing for training. They have matches. There are equipment. And we used to joke about this as something that is not a real thing. Yeah. So guess what? Spoiler alert. Whatever market you're thinking of, there is a market, okay? Mm-hmm. However, what is incumbent upon you is to understand that market's pains, gains, and jobs to be done. Now, you mentioned a couple of great tips like checking out Amazon reviews and, and so on. And I'd add to those places like forums and so on. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've seen in the challenge over the years is people get caught in this vortex. And there's about 35% of entrepreneurs who love research. And they never actually move from research into getting into the market. <laughs> Analysis paralysis. They do, right? And that is Literally 35% of entrepreneurs are in that category of people who really love researching. And it doesn't mean you're a bad entrepreneur, quite the opposite. That can be a really powerful skill set. But you have to know when to switch from research to that. And so much of what I've been doing over the last couple of years in particular is really trying to figure out, because I think you mentioned 300,000, it's now over 400,000 people. Wow. 
the challenge, which is completely free. Congratulations. Awesome, right? It, it's amazing. And so that has given me a very privileged position to see how do people implement, not implement. And when it comes to research, it's very easy to confuse sitting in front of your computer with research. You know, I'll hear people tell me, oh, I've done hours and hours and hours of, no, you haven't. Cool. And so here's what I would do, just one simple little twist on what you suggested there. And we do this with things like uh, you, my board behind you, it's hmm. my Kanban board, right? And it, it's a miracle for me in terms of management and getting things done because I'm one of the 65% that shoots first, gets distracted by <laughs> <laughs> doesn't do enough reason. Like I'm in the other side of the right. coin, right? And and so I need that help, a visual reminder at all times to remind me, hey, Ed, focus. This is what you need to do today. Yeah. But in setting out those tasks, so here's the thing. Use a timer. Yes. Set yourself 30 minutes. Get So in my terminology, the ticket would be 30 minutes. Spend 30 minutes researching on Amazon. So you set yourself a constraint. Great point. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, then you, how do you know what's done? Yes. And if you don't know what done is for your task, then you'll just keep doing it. And particularly, as I say, there's 35% of entrepreneurs who have this real bent to do fact-finding, hmm. lots and lots of research, are afraid to push the go button because they want to know whether they're right or wrong. Yep. Now, I'm unfortunately, a... you can only ever be right and wrong in hindsight, right? Hmm. So that's a big part. And just to emphasize the point, look at this. Right. This oh, wow. dirty big, I've got a big head, right? So <laughs> I set this, right? This is yes. my time timer. So I've that's got this cool. visual dirty big thing here, yep. right, that ticks away as I'm doing it. And it's a huge thing. So just as a as a um, oh, there we go. So as just as a uh, as a, a tip for when you're doing research, understanding pains, gains, and jobs to be done, set yourself some form of constraint. So the time, so success is I've spent thirty minutes researching, not necessarily what you found. Because hmm. let's face it, you can spend thirty minutes going through a forum, and you end up with hardly anything. But there's one thing, one pain you've identified that could be your next opt-in funnel. Yep, that could be the next key thing which propels you to collect leads, to then offer a product or service to solve that problem, and off you are, off you go to the races. That's such a good point. Look, I have to confess that even though I've got a whole lot of content on my website about Pomodoro technique, time boxing, and I try and do it as often as I can, I don't do it as often as I should, which is every single time I sit down to do something. I probably do at least, you know, two or three or maybe four Pomodoros a day on average, and my days are much more productive as a result. But here's the thing, because you know, because I'm one of my crusades right at the moment, Ash, is this anti-hustle stuff. Mm. It's driving me nuts. Mm. You're seeing people and you're seeing on their Snapchats and you're seeing on the, oh, I'm hustling, it's 11.30 at night and I'm still hustling mm. and, I, you know, I haven't slept last night because I'm still hustling. You're doing it wrong. Yes. Right? Yes. You are doing it wrong. Yes. You know, Look at all the science. Look at all the thing. You mentioned three to four Pomodoros. Guess yep. what? The most organized, disciplined content creators who ship three to four Pomodoros, maybe six, hmm. is the max. Yes. The max. Because that will take it all out of you. You're focused for those three or four Pomodoros. It's a scientific fact. Your yep. willpower, as we know it now, right, is literally, it's not just a woo-woo thing, right? Mm. It's, imagine it is a mental fuel tank. Yep. And as you drain that fuel tank, you get to a point where you just can't do any more. You are 
spinning wheels. Yep. You know, we know now for a fact there's a reason 40 hour there's a 40 hour working week mm. because your effectiveness drops off so rapidly. Yes. And you're so tired, you can't be creative. You yep. can't get focus. It's bull. Yeah. Because it's not my podcast. So, <laughs> so I, I am so anti hustle. Yes. Because it doesn't need to be that way. And for a lot of – see, with the challenge, the type of people that I'm dealing with, these are people with commitments. They hmm. typically have day jobs and they want to move from their day job into something where they're in control, where they're captain of the ship, hmm. which is awesome, right? And that's the, the – but you've got to realize that if something's paying the bills and, and doing that, that's going to withdraw a lot of that willpower during yes. the day, right? Yes. So we get home to do – I, and in the challenge, we encourage people, one, use the term Pomodoro, mm. whatever you call it, right? 25-minute, mm. 30-minute session with a timer. Yep. And the timer is really important. Let me uh, just switch gears slightly just sure. to explain why the timer is so important. And a lot of people listening and watching to this would have would be a big fan of like things, shows like MasterChef and the, and the cooking shows. And you say all of them have a similar type of challenge. They call it like a mystery box challenge oh. or something like that, where they say you've got 10 minutes, you've got a beetroot, you've got a pumpkin, and you've got three eggs, and you need to create something to present to the judges in 10 minutes. And I've watched thousands of those because unlike my fellow hustle people, I don't think watching television is a crime. I enjoy <laughs> watching television. Yes. I enjoy kicking back in the evenings yeah. because I've done my day's labor. Yeah. And if my brain relaxes watching a bit of Housewives of Atlanta, I don't care. Yeah. Right? So, you know, this, oh, don't watch TV. It's, you know, I'm sorry. It's I don't, okay I if you've don't. earned it. You've earned yeah. it. You've, you've done the hard yards for the day. It's not only you've earned it, you need it. Yes. Right? You need point. it. Your brain is is not designed to be switched on every hour of the day. And that's the problem with, you know, these things. I'm the biggest tech gadget person. Anyway, to continue the story, yep. for thousands and thousands of times, I've seen that challenge in various chef shows, right? Because I love those shows. Yeah. The number of times I've seen, haven't seen somebody plate up, I could count on one hand with a few fingers chopped off. <laughs> now, what they delivered may be taste horrible, yep. they delivered something. They delivered. They shipped. They, they shipped, right? Yep. They're in the field of play. Yeah. And and this is crucial because what it turns out, to develop any sort of creativity, you need constraints. Yes. Without any constraints. And we have this notion that creativity is this wonderful woo-woo thing, but all the greatest creatives have worked with constraints and structure and yep. discipline. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you read Stephen King, 1,500 words per day. Yep. And 9 a.m., he says the dreaming yep. starts when, you know, have you read the book on writing? It's a really, yeah, he talks amazing. about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's, you know, Sarah McLaughlin, the great Canadian songwriter, every day, 30 yep. minutes, the record button goes on. And she knows that in that jamming session, there are 28 or 29 minutes, 29 minutes and 30 seconds of that recording could be completely wasted yep. but there's that grain there's that thing and that's the thing that people don't realize is that cool creative stuff and content comes from doing a lot of stuff and a little bit of stuff will work well you know ansel adams the amazing landscape photographer he hoped he could get maybe 12 photos a year 
that would work. He took thousands, mm. but the ones that we remember and the ones that we anybody would instantly recognize, you know, the ones that are out of filtering. In fact, they did this one, a, a great study they did in um, San Francisco a couple of years ago where they divided up a class, ceramics class, into two parts. They had, so team A, this was the challenge that was set. They said, okay, you are to produce one piece of ceramic pottery, mm-hmm. okay? You are to produce one piece, and you'll be graded on that piece. So that was that was team A. Team B, they said, you are going to be graded on quantity. Right. So the person who creates the most pottery will get the A. Right. right? So interesting. Okay, so now you think, okay, Right. But what they did, here's the twist in the tail. They then got independent expert pottery analyzers. Goodness knows what you call those people. (laughs) But whatever they are, critics or whatever. Yeah. Here's the cool thing. Guess where the top 10 rated best pieces of pottery came from? B. B. The people who did, not the ones that slaved over a single piece of pottery, but the ones who just wanted to churn out the quantity to get the mark. So we're saying iterations leads to quality, but there's a balance though, isn't it, Ed? I mean, you can't, you do need to produce quality. And yes, I agree, especially with copy, you know, your best quality copy comes out in your 20th edit, right? It doesn't come out in the first draft, but there's a balance between quality and quantity as well, isn't there? Ultimately, but to this day, I can't tell you which of my pieces or my videos, highly edited or not, copy, sales copy, scripts, I can't tell you which ones will work or not work. I don't know. I'm yeah. constantly surprised. Yes. And, and so here's the thing. You know, and this is, you know, everybody should write this down. Watching or listening, you should yep. write this down. So that was the first part of a three-part series with Ed Dale. Now you're probably wondering what it was that he was going to tell you to write down. Sorry to keep you in suspense, but I promise you it won't be very long because part two is coming very soon to a pair of headphones or speakers near you. Stay tuned. Talk soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 